You are listening to the Journal of Rheumatology's Editor's Picks with Dr. Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief. Hello, I'm back again. I hope you enjoyed our first podcast in which I talked about the articles from our October issue that I thought were particular importance to the readership of the journal. In this podcast, I'm looking forward to talking about the articles of interest and importance in the November issue of the Journal of Rheumatology. Perfect. Let's begin with the first article. Absolutely. The first article is on RA entitled Flares in Rheumatoid Arthritis Patients with Low Disease Activity, Predictability and Association with Worse Clinical Outcomes. It's by Beckman and colleagues from the Division of Rheumatology, King's College, London. The aim of their research was to investigate predictors of flare in RA patients who had achieved low disease activity and to evaluate the impact of flare on 12-month clinical outcomes. The rationale for this paper is based on the current emphasis on treat-to-target with the goal of low disease activity. Of course, once this goal is met, it is important to be able to detect who will and who will not flare. Why would this article interest our readers? Well, if you read the paper, you will see which clinical factors were associated with a flare and the correlation to the biomarkers with the DAS28 and its individual components. You will find out the percentage of patients in who a flare was associated with the rise in biomarkers. This paper may allow you to determine the baseline factors that were associated with flare and therefore help determine which patients need close watching for flare after achieving low disease activity. Second paper I want to discuss is a JA paper entitled Effect of the Inclusion of the Metacarpal Joints on the Risk Magnetic Resonance Imaging Scoring System in Juvenile Idiopathic Arthritis by Van Dijkhausen et al. on behalf of the OMARAC MRI and JAA Working Group. The aim of this study was to extend the MRI score for assessment of risk synovitis to include MCPs in patients with JAA. Importantly, they wanted to compare the metric properties of the original and the extended score. One of the problems with imaging in patients with JAA is the issue of growth and the fact that the ossification of bones is a continual process which allows for growing bones. It is not until growth is completed that all of the bones are ossified. Therefore, this is a limitation of plain x-rays and therefore the role of both ultrasound and MRI are being explored. It is only recently that a validated MRI scoring, scoring system is available. Currently, there is a scoring system for the wrist, but it does not include the MCP joints. This is important as these joints are frequently a problem in patients with polyarticular JIA. I encourage you to read this paper to find out how the extended scoring system compared to the original scoring system regarding reliability, construct validity, and sensitivity. After reading this paper, you'll be able to determine which scoring system should be used in MRI studies of hands and wrists patients with JAA. Our next paper I want to discuss is entitled Associations Between Cardiorespiratory Fitness 
and arterial stiffness in ankylosing spondylitis. A cross-sectional study by Berg and colleagues from the departments of rheumatology in Oslo, Norway, and Leiden, the Netherlands. As the title suggests, the aim of this paper is to determine if there's a correlation of cardiorespiratory fitness and arterial stiffness in patients with AS. As the title suggests, the aim of this paper was to determine if there's a correlation of cardiorespiratory fitness and arterial stiffness in patients with AS. The authors determined the associations of these two measures with traditional cardiovascular risk factors and the association with disease activity. What would these correlations mean in terms of treatments for patients? That's a good question. The, really, it's the implications that these findings are that they will may influence the recommendation to patients that you have so that cardiovascular events can be decreased in the future. We now move to the next paper. Infections are a very important cause of morbidity and mortality in patients with SLA. During times of active SLA, complement components are frequently reduced, which has been shown to be one of the factors associated with this increased risk of infection. In a paper entitled, Complement Consumption and Systemic Lupus Erythematosus Leads to Decrease of Sonophagocytosis in Vitro, Matander and colleagues from the University of Gothenburg and Selzbrinska University Hospital in Sweden and the University of Guangzhou, China, examine a mechanism leading to this increased risk of infection. Specifically, they examine how the consumption of complement may lead to poor opsonization of bacteria. The great thing about this article is that once the authors found out that there was a relationship between low C4 and C3 levels uh, and opsonization, and this, that there was an association between this and infections, they then put the findings into a clinical context. We end our November editor's picks with an article on guidelines and barriers. Can you tell us more about that? The final paper addresses this important issue of how frequently international guidelines are followed in everyday clinical practice and what barriers may exist to non-following these guidelines. Specifically, this paper focused on osteoporosis treatment. The paper is by Rotundi et al. for the Ontario Osteoporosis Strategy Fracture Screening Program Evaluation Team from the University of Toronto, Canada. The paper is entitled Identifying and Addressing Barriers to Osteoporosis Treatment Associated with Improved Outcomes, an Observational Cohort Study. How can reading this paper help rheumatologists in their practice? This paper reminds us that evaluating and addressing barriers to guideline imp implementation may reduce these barriers and they show whether the, the intervention was associated with higher downstream treatment rates. You can find out the recommendations of the investigators into how determining and addressing barriers in a dedicated program may improve the implementation of guidelines and then decide if this may be helpful for guidelines recommended to you for everyday practice in other areas of rheumatology. 
That wraps up this month's edition of the Journal of Rheumatology's Editor's Picks. It's always a pleasure to share my thoughts with the readership. I want to thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed our November issue. So please join me again next month for our December edition, which will include articles in RA, psoriatic arthritis, and much more. To read the articles featured in this podcast and all the other articles included in the journal, please go online to www.jroom.org. Until the next time, this is Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief, Journal of Rheumatology. Thank you.